Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. I'd been waiting for Cardinal Supic to issue his restrictions on the Latin Mass using Traditionis Custodis and the response to the fake dubia as his excuse. We now have that statement from Supic, as well as some interesting remarks from a few other bishops in the church who are clearly dissenting from Francis's draconian and heretical actions against the deposit of the faith. And this begs a question. Will, while their words are often good, what will they do to actually preserve the faith in the face of modernism running amok? It's a question I don't like asking because the bishop that I'm going to focus on here today has frankly been too cozy with Francis and even publicly said he didn't think Francis was moving against sacred tradition at all. Then the response to the fake dubia was released and I guess he woke up at least a little bit. So let's dive into the story. First, let's start with what the main focus of this is going to be, which is Cardinal Supich. Over at Canon 212, Frank Walker, the website's proprietor, provides us with his, frankly, brilliant summation of Supich's actions in the form of this rather spicy headline. Evil Cardinal Supich cancels the ancient mass on the first Sunday of every month, Christmas, the Tritium, Easter Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday. Issues ponderous materials for priests to learn how great the faithless Francis Mass is. That pretty much sums it up. Moving forward, no traditional liturgy is available in his archdiocese on the first Sunday of every month, nor will it be available on the major feast days of the year, which also means pretty much no traditional ordinations, confirmations, or the like, since they typically take place on those Sundays. And it is an evil act, one that was hatched from the twisted cortex of the modernists who revel in inflicting suffering on traditional Catholics. From the Vatican News article on this that Mr. Walker linked it to, we get Supich's reasoning. Quote, Cardinal Supich explains in a cover letter accompanying the new policy that he began a consultation process as soon as Traditionis Custodis was published. Liturgists as well as those priests and leaders of religious communities ministering to communities who attend Mass celebrated in the earlier form were among those consulted, he writes. Most of the priests and faithful in the archdiocese always celebrate the Mass with the new rite, he admits. However, he asks Chicago's parish priests to be aware of the developments surrounding Traditionis Custodis, and says they need to be able to answer the questions about it. In continuity with Pope Francis's own desire, Cardinal Supic states the hope that this policy will foster a renewed understanding of the foundations of the liturgical renewal. He also hopes that the priests will share this with their respective parish communities. The Cardinal then connects rediscovery of the value of the liturgical reform with the Eucharistic revival launched by the U.S. bishops at their November plenary meeting. To this end, the Cardinal says that the Archdiocese's liturgy office will be providing materials and support to priests in providing liturgical catechesis and formation so the faithful can come to a better understanding and deeper acceptance of the restored and renewed liturgy that is part of the precious heritage of the Second Vatican Council. End quote restored liturgy. Give me a break. They always finish with a reference to their greatest council of all time, the one that remade the church in the image of Teilhard de Chardin, the Second Vatican Pastoral and Non-Binding Council. But now it's binding, 60 years after Paul VI assured us that it defined no doctrines or dogmas that had, no previous, that had not previously been defined, which is what usually councils do. Now we must submit to the ideas put forth by a council that endorsed ideas that previous ca councils categorically rejected, and embrace ideas that popes not a century earlier rejected in formally promulgated and binding documents, like the Syllabus of Errors. No big deal, I guess, except that if we simply want the same faith as those that came before us, 
we get punished for not submitting to a council that our forebears would have seen as having been a robber council. Oh, but it gets better. You see, Supich reminds us that this is really about unity and avoiding the schism that Francis said back in 2013 or 2014 that it would probably be the cause of. Quote, In concluding his cover letter, the Cardinal reminds the priests that an expression of their love for the body of Christ is to faithfully adhere to the liturgical norms. In this way, our worship may always enrich and never diminish the faith of our people, he writes. The Cardinal then closes his letter with an insightful observation of Pope Benedict, who noted that the post-Vatican II liturgy will be loved if it is celebrated with great reverence and harmony with the liturgical directives. This will bring out the spiritual richness and the theological depths of this missal. In the preamble to the policy implementing Traditionis Custodis, the intention of the modu proprio is clearly synthesized. To re-establish throughout the Church of the Roman Rite a single and identical prayer that expresses its unity according to the liturgical books promulgated by the saintly popes Paul VI and John Paul II, in conformity with the decrees of the Second Vatican Council. End quote. The statement rips with modernist lingo, including talk about the need to pastorally accompany Catholics who quote-unquote identify with the previous form of the liturgy. All the while, really, what Supich and his Chicago gang of thugs have done is to force many Catholics to go seek out the sacraments on those holy days with the SSPX and similar groups. There's nothing wrong with that, especially according to what Bishop Athanasius has said on this multiple times, that you are free to do so that the SSPX are in full communion with Rome. That's Bishop Athanasius who said this on behalf of the Vatican a couple of years ago. But the core issue with the SSPX is an internal debate with Rome that needs to be settled in the name of tradition. Bishop Athanasius is a hermeneutic of continuity bishop. That's my point of disagreement with him. But he has unequivocally said there's no problem with going to Mass with them. Anyone telling you otherwise is misleading you. That's it. And you incur no sin by going to Mass with them. Again, Bishop Athanasius has said this numerous times, and in today's show notes at returntotradition.org, I'll include a link to where he goes into this topic in greater detail. But I don't want to talk about Bishop Athanasius here. On Monday, I gave you the story of one group of traditional priests who are resisting Francis and Roach, regardless of the cost. Earlier this week, a cardinal whom, while I have a great deal of respect for on many issues, but has a tendency of defending Francis far too much and being essentially a moderate modernist when the chips are really down, he released a statement via an interview rejecting Francis's move on Traditionus Custodis. That was interesting to see because we were talking about Cardinal Robert Seurat, who just a few weeks ago claimed that Francis wasn't really trying to destroy the traditional mass or restrict it or anything. Maybe the dubia response will come up on that issue. I pray that it did. Either way, Cardinal Seurat told the laity that during these times we must do the following, quote, Don't look at men. Look to Jesus Christ. He is the one who has called you. It is God who has put his call on your heart. Your teacher is Jesus Christ, not a man. It is Jesus who has said to you, come and follow me. It is his voice that you must listen to. It is his face that you must discover. It is your relationship with him that you must create, shape. This friendship is not simply transmitted. It is built by two people. We must also follow the teachings of the church. It has always taught the same thing. It is God who has called you. Try to know him. End quote. And his message wasn't only to the laity. It was also to his brother bishops and to the priests in the church. Think about the implications of what he's saying. The entire point of the liturgy is to provide worship to God in a manner that pleases him. 
Our ancestors knew how to do this, but in our time, we've forgotten. And it's obvious in the declining attendance at mass over the decades since the man-made new mass was promulgated illicitly. And it is obvious in declining vocations and sacramental numbers. The liturgy is supposed to point us towards Christ the King. And instead, the man-made vulgar rite, as my friend Bug Hall calls it, it points to man and is man-centered. Cardinal Seurat also echoed what, echoed what Benedict said in the flawed Samoran Pontificum when he said, quote, What was holy and sacred yesterday cannot be condemned to disappear today. What harm does the traditional Mass cause? What harm? If somebody can learn to encounter Christ in a Mass celebrated in silence, in respect for the sacred, let them not hesitate. Everyone wants to grow in God. Why prevent them from doing so? This is not a revolt. The, they are not in any way denying the Second Vatican Council. Quite the contrary. End quote. Cardinal Seurat speaks about most Catholics who attend Mass with traditional groups. That is true, though I think he and other defenders of the traditional liturgy in the mainline church are mistaken. There is a great deal of suspicion about Vatican II among the laity. You hear it whenever the Council comes up in conversation among Latin Mass Catholics. It's just unavoidable. With, with some, it's merely a question of the implementation of the Council, that it was done flawed or whatever, you know the arguments. But for many, it's the whole question of infiltration and everything that it implies and everything that flows from it. And until that question is addressed, and not merely dismissed, they cannot get past it. It's a sad thing, too, because instead of addressing our questions, they simply try to hammer us, which makes us look vindicated in the eyes of many Catholics. At the very core of this is the point we make about the new Mass being man-centered. You see this in the priest facing the people, the use of the vulgar or common tongue in the liturgy, the shaking hands with your neighbor part that most people admit greatly disrupts the Mass, and frankly, most Catholics who go to the new Mass hate that part of the Mass. And you hear it in the sermons that are always about various social concerns instead of the four last things, the reality of sin and Gehenna, our coming judgment. Name the thing you never or rarely hear about at Mass and replace with all too many homilies spoken in support of the work of Caesar. And you are left with the inescapable feeling that the liturgy has become man-centered, meaning that it worships man. If you have that feeling that you can't quite shake, then consider this last part of Supich's decree. Quote, However, Latin Rite Catholics in Chicago will unite in celebrating the liturgy exclusively according to the Novus Ordo Missae on specific days during the liturgical year. The first Sunday of every month, Christmas, the Tritium, Easter Sunday, and Pentecost Sunday. The policy indicates that this liturgy, which may be celebrated in Latin, must be celebrated with the priest facing the people. The intention for this policy is to foster and make manifest the unity of this local church, as well as to provide all Catholics in the Archdiocese an opportunity to offer a concrete manifestation of the acceptance of the teaching of the Second Vatican Council and its liturgical books." End quote. Why such a focus on all of this? It's because, for whatever reason, Francis and company have decided that they must act and must act now. Supich banned the Mass at Easter in the traditional form. Up in Quebec, they have no Mass at all, from this past Christmas just a few days ago until early January. Unless they extend it, which will probably happen. Supich speaks for Francis among his brother bishops in America, and so now we wait for the dominoes to fall in other dioceses, for them to fall in lockstep behind Supich. This has all the makings of a schism, but again, we'll have to wait and see. I'm left with a serious question, and I know what many of you are going to ask this. What will happen to the good folks at St. John Cantius? They're the traditionalist group out of Chicago that are a monastic group, and 
it, many will claim that they're not covered by this, though Roach made it clear that his dubious response covers all the groups like the FSSP and St. John Cantius. Will they submit? This strikes me as a trap meant to open the door for an explicit act against groups like St. John Cantius and the FSSP. For those who think they'll resist, you have to remember that the entire reason that the groups like the FSSP exist in the first place is because they disagreed with the actions taken by Archbishop Lefebvre and the SSPX back in 1988, and for full disclosure, I don't disagree with any of the actions Lefebvre took. Full stop. There's little reason to think that now they'll act in any way that is overtly resisting of modernism. I suppose we'll all have to wait and see. What do you think about all this? Well, let me know in the comments, please. Supich's move is gutsy, I'll give him that, and in perfect keeping with the policy out of the Archdiocese of Rome, which did this exact same thing. Do you think it'll happen in your diocese? Let me know in the comments, please, and as always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.